0: Alright, if you take God's precious word and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And God willing, we'll be expounding verses 24 through 27 tonight. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 through 27. We looked at when wisdom calls, when wisdom speaks, and tonight it'll be when wisdom mocks. When wisdom mocks. Last week we finished up in verse 23. Where wisdom extending a gracious invitation to the simple. To the scorner. And the foolish people of this world. Told them in verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. Behold I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. What an amazing display of God's love and God's grace where even the fool has his name written on a heavenly invitation to receive the wisdom, teaching, and counsel of God. That's absolutely amazing. That's what I enjoyed when I was seeking salvation when the Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. I remember Charles Spurgeon in his little book. He said, reader, are you ungodly? And I remember thinking to myself, I sure am. He said, if you are, then surely Jesus died for you. For there it is. Christ died for the ungodly. I thought, what hope there is for me? And here it is, right here. The same way that, that God is, is putting the fool's name on the invitation. The scorner's name on the invitation, and the simple, and inviting them to take of the Spirit of God and His wisdom unto everlasting life. Now last week we learned the great blessing that God promises to every person who is void of this wisdom that will turn at wisdom's rebuke. Wisdom says if they will turn Then she'll pour out the spirit of wisdom on them and God would make known his words unto them. But now in the next verse, verse 24, the Holy Spirit turns our attention from the great blessing that God promises to those who will turn at wisdom's reproof. To the great destruction that God promises to those who will not. Wisdom says, look in verse 24, Because I have called, because I have called. As we've seen in the previous verses, wisdom has called out to every person. She calls out to the world, as we learned before, through God's creation. She calls out through His Word, through the ministers of the Gospel, through the church of Jesus Christ. Wisdom calls through the conscience of every person the Apostle Paul testifies to in the book of Romans. Testifying of their evil ways and their needs to repent. Wisdom cries aloud every time... A person dies. I tell you, I've preached a lot of funerals. i preached a lot of them in the past 12 months especially. But every time a person dies, wisdom cries out loud. Bearing witness to those who are still living that their time is coming soon. So they must be wise and prepare to meet their Creator. Wisdom patiently calls to the sons of men. But she's not going to call forever. Remember what God said in Genesis chapter 6, my spirit will not always strive with man, right? For he is yet flesh. She's not going to call forever. God's spirit's not going to always strive with man. So wisdom tells the impenitent sinner, because I have called, look back in your text, and ye refused. It may not sound like it here, but this is a very important verse when it comes to understanding the heart of God in men's response to God's heart. This verse helps us see the fallacy in the Calvinist belief that people go to hell because God wants them to. I tell you, that's a lie. In this verse, I want you to notice the words, I have. You see that? Underscore I have. And then underscore the words you have. I have and you have. I have called, you have refused. Wisdom calls, it's the people who refuse. God's wisdom calls to the simple, scornful, and foolish people desiring to pour out her spirit on them. If only they will turn to God. This is wisdom's action to call. And thus it shows us God's desire for these people. God wants foolish people to turn to Him. God wants them to receive His words and live. God wants to pour His Spirit out on them. But some of these people, wisdom says, would not turn to God at wisdom's rebuke. Not because they couldn't turn, but because they wouldn't turn. Why wouldn't they turn? They didn't want to turn. It's that simple. Wisdom says, I called and you refused. Wisdom didn't say, I called and you were unable. Wisdom says, I called and you have refused. Wisdom didn't refuse. God didn't refuse. You refused, the Bible says, to turn at wisdom's rebuke. A person doesn't remain a fool and perish in their sin because God refused them. They perish in their foolishness because they refused God. This is scripture we're looking at here. I don't care what the Calvinists say. The Bible lays the blame for the damnation of men at the feet of men, not at the sovereignty of God. So wisdom here, laying the blame at man's feet says, Because I have called and you have refused, because, look back in your text, I have stretched out my hand. Wisdom has stretched out her hand to these people. The imagery here is plain. Wisdom, of course wisdom being an attribute of God, so it's speaking of God, just... In a uh, euphemistic sense. But wisdom here is extending her hand. She's stretching it out to foolish people. God is reaching out to them. Now, let me ask you something. As she's extending her hand and making this offer. Turn at my reproof. I'll pour out my spirit on you. Saying it to the foolish. Saying it to the scorner. Saying it to the simple. Let me ask you something. Would God ever make an insere offer to somebody? No he wouldn't. Think about what we've read so far about wisdom. Would God cry out to us at the entering in of the gate? Would God cry out to us from the top of the walls? Would God cry out to people in the marketplace and offer to pour out His Spirit on us publicly while actually and secretly in His heart not want to pour out His Spirit on us? Would He make as if, this is what I want to do, this is what I will do. But the truth is, I really don't. Is that God? Would God reach out to us with one hand and extend His hand out like this and tell us that He wants to help us while secretly with His other hand holding us back and forbidding us to accept the very help He's offering to us? No. Absolutely not. Let me tell you something. But that's what the Calvinists would have you think. Oh, God's offering it to them. But he won't let them have it. (laughs) Or he's only offering it to these people, but not to those people. Well, God's not offering it to the elect here. He's offering it to the foolish, the simple, and the scornful. That's the name written on the invitation. And to say otherwise is to speak where God has not spoken. Let me tell you, if God could make us an insincere offer, I want you to think about that. If God could make us an insincere offer that He doesn't really mean, that He doesn't really want to do, in fact, that He won't even allow us to have, then it's not an offer at all, is it? It's not an offer at all. It's kind of like those fake cabinets in the kitchen. Man, I hate those. Who came up with that idea? You have any of those, Miss Ann? Oh my goodness. You go in there and you're not from there and you try to pull a drawer out looking for silverware and it's just knobs on there. It's fake. But who came up with that? I don't know. But that's the kind of offer that God would have if if God could make an insincere promise to us and—and and, and, and then, then we'd never know when we could really take him at his word, would we? Well, does he mean this one? How many of y'all ever had an older figure in your life, maybe a parent, maybe a relative, but an older figure make you promises and never keep those promises? Yeah, I see hands going up. And after a while, did it get to where you never knew when they'd make you a promise, it really didn't mean so much anymore? Sure, you didn't know if you could trust them. In fact, it's just the words just kind of went over your head. But if God could make His promises like that, that He really wasn't going to fulfill, we'd never know when we could trust Him. We'd always wonder if God really meant what He said this time. But let me assure you, that God never makes an insincere promise. He'll never make an offer That he's not really wanting to fulfill. There's nothing fake about our God. There's nothing insincere about our God. He doesn't give us idle words. He said, I have called. I have stretched out my hand. Look back in the text. Here's the problem. And no man regarded. The problem is not with the promise God made. The promise is with the people God made the promise to. The Hebrew word translated regarded here where it says no man regarded. That, that Hebrew word means literally to prick up the ears like that. Y'all ever seen those dogs? You know, the dogs got the ears down and, and they hear something and pop them up like that. We have a dog at home named Ollie. He's, he sheds a lot. And he's really, really goofy. But he's a big dog and he spends the majority of his time in bed. And Tammy and I have had plenty of deep, meaningful conversations in that dog's presence in the living room. And many of them about y'all. No, I'm playing. But, but, but the, the, the words go right, right past that dog's ears. And he, he just, just like that. I mean, right past his ears. We can talk about things going on in the church. He doesn't care. We can talk about finances. He doesn't care. We can talk about politics passionately. He doesn't care. But if we say anything about Ollie getting fed, or Ollie going outside, or one of Ollie's new favorite things, the love stick. That's a back scratcher that Abel bought for him. And... When I get the love stick, he just comes over and just waits for me to scratch him with that back scratcher. But if we talk about something like that, guess what happens? There they go. Prick up the ears. And boy, we have his full attention. He pays close attention to what we have to say then. Wisdom, in the same way, stretches out her hand to the foolish. Wanting them to find the Lord. She offers to to make God's words known to them. But they have no interest in the things of God. Just like my dog has no interest in politics or church matters. Just like my dog. They'll let God's pleadings. Sincere, loving pleadings. Go right past their lazy, carnal ears. And never pay them any attention at all. They hear the loving rebuke, but they don't care anything about it. They only prick up their ears for worldly things. So wisdom says, because I have called, and you refused. Because I stretched out my hand, and you didn't prick your ears up. You just let it go. Verse 25, I I stretched out my hand, but ye have said it not, all my counsel. Set it not. The Hebrew word here that's translated, set it not. It means to loosen. To loosen. When we began this study, we we learned that wisdom belongs in our hearts like air belongs in our lungs. God made us in his image. He made us to be filled with his wisdom. When it's natural, as natural for wisdom to be in the heart of man as it is for wisdom, for air to be in a man's lungs. By God's design, wisdom should be bound to our heart. When we go through Proverbs, you'll see things like bind it on your, you know, like frontlets between your eyes, bind it on your hands, bind it on your heart. Wisdom should be bound to us like that. It should be part of who we are. By God's design, wisdom is supposed to be innate in us. We should be born with it. But because of Adam's fall, instead of it being part of our natural fabric, it now has to be bound to us. Does that make sense? It's external. We choose it. We bind it by faith and believing and practicing it. One day it will be an eight. It will be an eight when we're like Christ. But right now we're, we're to bind it to us. And you'll see that again as we go through God's Word. So by God's design, if you could think of it like this, wisdom should be bound to our hearts in the way that a sail is bound to a ship. And that sail would be moved to guide that ship in the right direction across the sea. But when wisdom sought to bind itself to these people's hearts, do you know what they did? They disdained the counsel of God. And with their own choice, they cut wisdom loose from them. Like cutting the sail off a ship. Setting themselves free from God's loving, wise guidance. And now, like a ship without a sail, with no way to be guided, now they're just set free on the ocean of this world and they're blown entirely by earthly winds. Whatever way the wind blows them, that's the way they go. Wisdom says, you cut yourself free from my wise counsel. Back in your text, and would none of my reproof. Would none of my reproof. Now, we don't speak that way right now. You would none of my reproof. But uh, to put it in East Texas language, we'd say, you didn't want anything to do with it, right? You would none of my reproof. You didn't want anything to do with my reproof. Literally, in the Hebrew, he's saying, you didn't breathe after my righteous counsel, You didn't want anything to do with my instruction in your life. And boy, how sad it is. When people think they're so smart, they're too smart to need godly counsel. Man, I'm thinking of someone right now that refused godly counsel. And we, sadly, had to watch that person's life be destroyed. And I've watched people over the years and... I, I, there's been people I've pointed out to my children every now and then. I say, now you watch that person right there. You watch what they're doing, and in a few years you watch what becomes of them. And, uh, but it's so sad when you see people refuse godly counsel only to watch them later crash and burn. It's so sad to see people so proud and foolish in their lives, but we should breathe after wise We should breathe after it as the the deer pants after the water brook, right? Like the scripture says, breathe after it, long after it. (sighs) You know? But because you didn't want anything to do with me, when I reached out to you, wisdom says, verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. And these should be very sobering words to every one of us. God is essentially saying, Sinner, you laughed at me when I tried to help you. You laughed at the Christian who tried to warn you about your ways. And now, when your calamity comes, I also will laugh at you. You laughed in the beginning, but I shall laugh in the end. Now, wisdom is not being cruel here. In the recent news, an Olympic skater gave up her American citizenship so she could skate for China in the Olympics. How many of y'all saw that news piece? But when the Chinese gave her a hard time for falling down on the ice, uh, they kind of turned on their own, you know. Weren't very sympathetic like Americans might be, but... When they turned on her for falling on the ice, the Americans were like, you're not getting any sympathy from us, you know. (laughs) You traitor, You, you had your chance to escape the United States, but you chose to escape for communist China, and now you're getting exactly what you deserve. Anyone feel that way when that happened? A lot of people did. That's the kind of attitude expressed in this text in a way. You had your chance. You foolish people. So when you fall, don't look for me for any sympathy. I'm going to laugh at your calamity. Again, God's not being cruel here. He's being just. The other day I saw a video of a thug snatching a woman's purse and running off with it. I mean, it looked like that guy was going to get away too. Little old lady, stereotypical, little old lady in the parking lot. Thug reaches, grabs it, runs off with it, and you think, well, he's about to get away. And next thing you know, I mean, this guy looked like a track star. Here he comes, right up behind him, passes that woman up, catches up to that guy, and boom, he knocks him down, tackles him, beats him up, and the lady gets her purse back. And I don't know how the women feel about watching things like that, but when a man sees it, they go, yeah, you know, yeah, that's good stuff, good stuff. Do women laugh at that too? Do they enjoy that? You don't like it, Sister Elizabeth. What about you girls? You don't like it either. All right. Well, I bet Daddy does. Anyway, <laughs> you know I love watching bad guys get what's coming to them. It's, it's not a cruel laugh. It's a righteous laugh. And if you reject wisdom, then wisdom one day will have a righteous laugh at you. It will. She says, look back in your text, I will mock when your fear comes. Boy, that's cold, isn't it? But listen, God's just telling it like it is here. Today, uh, I was speaking to someone and I was speaking to uh, a co-worker. His son is in Chriswell Seminary in Dallas. And... Um, he was telling me about his daughter. He said, you know, my daughter uh, has made some bad choices. She's living, uh, you know, she's basically leaving her husband, shacking up with some other guy. And uh, they've only been married five years. She's already shacking up some other guy. and The sad thing is, do you know what? who he was upset about? He's upset at his son, witnessing to his sister, telling her, You're wrong, sis. You're wrong. And you need to stand in question of your relationship to God. If you're willing to live this way and despise God's word, what's wrong with you? He's holding her feet to the fire. And so she gets on the phone and blows daddy's phone up and saying, He's making me mad. And he... And uh and he says he told me, he said, his son's stirring up trouble. I said, No, your daughter's the one stirring up trouble. Your son loves his sister. And she he's trying to tell her what she needs to hear. But she doesn't want to hear it. But when the very thing I warn you about, God's saying, when the very thing I warn you about comes upon you and your prideful heart that, that, that was so prideful and, and mocked when, when, and, and, and got upset when someone tried to correct you and suddenly that pride and that anger turns into fear and you become afraid, I will mock you who once mocked me. That's what God's saying here. I will respond to you in your fear, the way you responded to me in my love for you. Wisdom says, I once was concerned for you, but you weren't concerned at all. So when your fear comes, I will be just as unconcerned about the situation that you're in, that I tried to warn you about, as you once were yourself. And wisdom describes this as a time, verse 27, when your fear comes as desolation. In other words, when your foolish choices finally meet up with you and they sweep across your life and they destroy that which is precious to you, wisdom says, I'm not going to rush in to help you. Now it's too late for that. I'll mock Church, this is the time to seek God's help before your desolation comes. When Jesus comes again, the sinner's fear is going to come on them as desolation. They're going to cry for the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of the Lamb. But it's going to be too late to seek God's help then. When that day comes, Jesus won't be coming as their helper. He'll be coming as their judge, as their destroyer. You say, Brother Richard, that's harsh. It's true. Man, don't you don't mess around with God. It, it, it's customary for the government to offer leniency to guilty people for the crime they committed. It's customary. They say, well, if you if you'll plead guilty. Well offer you a more lenient sentence. You go ahead and plead guilty. We'll get it over with. But let me tell you, if you fight them in court, state court, maybe not so much, depending on who your district attorney is. But I'm telling you, if you get arrested on a federal charge, they offer you leniency. Unless you just know you're innocent, you better take what they offer. Because if you fight them in court, and they win, and they almost always do, the offer for leniency is off the table when they find you guilty. Done. They're done being lenient. Now it's time for judgment. And they're going to try their best to get more sentence for you than what they offered you in the beginning. In other words, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You can't game the system and beat God. If you mock the loving hand of God that stretches out to you, then He will mock you when your fear comes. Look back in text. And your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When God turns against you, the hand He once stretched out in love to save you will then turn back to destroy you. And when it does, your destruction will come like a hurricane, which is what literally here in the Hebrew it's saying. It'll come in like a tornado that comes in and destroys what it chooses. And man is powerless against it. All they can do is get a cell phone video of it and hope it doesn't get them. You can't stop it. And you can't stop God's judgment when it comes on you either. This will be a time, look back in your text, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. If you mo- if you reject the wisdom of God in your life, people can act so cool, they can act so tough. You watch a bunch of old movies, you know what they try to do? They try to make the religious people look weak, and they're tough. They have some old drill sergeant in some war movie or something, and he doesn't need a religion, he's tough, and... And someone will say, I'll pray for you. I remember one of John Wayne's old movies. And a woman says, I'll pray for you. He goes, good luck. He doesn't need prayer. Good luck. He's he's a Marine who's too tough for that. But let me tell you, if you reject God's wisdom, you have distress and anguish that's going to come upon you one day. It's the very destruction in your life that your Christian friend or your pastor told you would come one day if you didn't repent. And it's going to Come. And you may have thought it was funny when they warned you. You may have thought they were going overboard. You may have had a good laugh at them then. I've had people think I was crazy for warning them. As old Richard, always going overboard, roll the eyes kind of thing, you know. You may have had a good laugh at them then. But your mockery will turn to distress and anguish, and there will be no one there to help you. You'll be, a, as the book of Hebrews says, certain fearful, looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversary of God. Whoever you are, young, old, believer, or unbeliever, never disregard the warning of God's word. I want to say something to young people real quick. Yes, that's you. Sure is. You're one of them. They are and they are too. I want to say something to y'all. When you're young, your parents, especially when you get a certain age, it seems like your parents get dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't want you to have any fun. You think they're stupid. But when you get older you look back and you realize who were a whole lot smarter than you thought they were. The older people in here, did that not happen to you with you and your parents? You bet it did. And I'm telling you, it will happen to you. And, and, and the devil wants to make you think, Oh, my parents never let me have any fun. Their parents let them do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they may do it. They may have a whole lot more fun than you. When they're young. But they'll have a whole lot more problems than you when they're old. You listen to the wise counsel of your parents. If they take scripture and they say this is what God's word says. This is why you don't want to do that. You take it to heart. Don't mock. Listen to them. God loves you and your parents are one way that God stretches his hand out to you. With his wisdom. And says here. I want to make my words known to you. Don't reject the hand of God. Your mom and your dad. Are the hand of God. And that's why it's so cruel. When a mom and dad. Will not pass down God's wisdom to their children. They make a mockery out of that hand. And that's the same reason the angels sin is so great. Because they were there to represent God as well. But never think you can get away with sin. Young or old. It may be all fun and games today, but it will all be distress and anguish in the end. And with that, we'll go ahead and close. Father, thank You for these sobering words. God, how scary to hear, Lord, that if we reject Your counsel, if we reject Your rebuke when We're going the wrong direction. You tell us, no, that's bad for you. That will hurt you. And we just go on anyway. That when we're hurt, and when that comes upon us like you told us it would, God, we're going to have to deal with it. And it'll be too late to be bailed out then. We know you're merciful to us, Lord. But we also know the One who says... That God is not mocked. Whatever we sow that we shall also reap. Help us Lord to fear your great name. Help us Lord to pant. To breathe after. As a thirsty deer pants for the water brook. Help us to pant Father God. After your wise and loving counsel. That we may not have a life with fear. And anguish and desolation. But one with blessing and love in grace, in the wonderful, intimate company with our God as we walk with you in